Hello again, everyone. My name is David Bastel, alongside ARIA President David Oikel, and this is the Real Estate Edition podcast. David, this is our last podcast together. I can't believe we haven't really even met in person yet, and you still owe me dinner and drinks. So, you know what? I'm going to miss you, pal. Uh, we're going to have to get together soon. Well, I look forward to doing that. So, uh, um, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, you know, we've done uh, so many great topics and so many great conversations uh, this year. I uh, hope uh, the listeners have enjoyed them, uh, but it's really been my privilege to be able to do these with you, Dave. And you know what? We add to it with another great podcast today. Today's episode, we talk with Rob and Beth Andres from Safe International. Realtor safety is front and center here, David. You know, it really is. It's a, it's a topic that uh, we sort of know about and we talk about a little bit, uh, um, but it really needs uh, more attention and uh, this podcast will give it. And I, I'm sure the listeners will learn a lot and uh, and benefit from the conversation. Absolutely, they will. Be sure to subscribe and review our podcast wherever you're listening to it today. We're looking for five stars, everybody. We would really appreciate that. And before we get to the podcast, we should warn our audience, we do talk about some sensitive topics in this podcast. Now, without further ado, here's Robin Bath. You're listening to this month's episode of The Real Estate Edition with host Dave Bastel and ARIA President David Oikel. Great to talk to you today. Can you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves and how you came to focus on realtor safety? Um, I'm a uh, real estate broker and I've been registered under the Act since 1986. Um, I bring a lot of um, understanding of how realtors work to the table. Um, my own kind of background in combative training has been placed into um, high kickboxing. I hold a couple of different black belts in, in different styles of jiu-jitsu. Um, and I'm also one of a few handfuls of people that are certified in a form of reality self-defense that we refer to as pure and applied debilitation training. Um, Beth, if you want to just sort of tell them a little bit about you, and then I'd like to get into why we're doing what we're doing today. Well, um, my full-time career is in law enforcement, and um, I also studied martial arts. I hold two different um, jujitsu belts, and uh, after a very um, difficult experience in my life where my jujitsu training did nothing for me, I decided to join Rob in being trained in pure and applied self-defense. And that certification is something that I'm very proud of. Yeah. So what we do is we really take a look at the reality of violence. Um, not what people believe violence is, what they see on television or in movies, but in the reality of it. Um, in my professional real estate career, I have um, suffered a social violent interaction that was spurred onto by the hands of another real estate professional through a client. Um, I have also faced a slight introduction into an antisocial violent encounter where I was identified as a realtor washing my car and then asked how much money I had in my pocket. I was isolated inside of the car wash by three young males. Um, and long story short, I came out fine and there was no problem. 
When I owned a brick and mortar real estate company, I received a phone call from one of my employees one day asking for help. She had been in a bungalow with a husband and wife, and the husband was in the basement with her, the realtor, and he felt it was appropriate for him at that moment to start um, inuating sexual um, uh, thoughts to her, uh, thought it was appropriate to put his hands on her. And this all occurred when his wife was on site in the house right above them. In our industry, we often hear about these dirty little secrets that happen, but we never really understand them. And it was through my own experience and the experience of individuals who at my time I thought I was able to protect um, that ended up wanting me to understand what this issue is in our industry because no one has ever stepped up to the plate, tried to take the blindfold off of it and say, hey, we have a problem here. And this problem goes much deeper than anyone either understands or really has the ability to deal with it. And we've done that. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done, how far our research has gone into this, and the information that we are bringing to professionals right across Canada and, and into some parts of the United States. Um, and, you know, on that, I'm just going to end that part with we know we are now today changing and saving lives within this industry. Well, that's a, a great introduction for the rest of the conversation. So thank you for that. So, you know, building on that, um, what are some of the most common concerns that real estate professionals uh, share with you? You know, uh, some of the most common concerns you're going to hear are coming from women, uh, female agents, female professionals. Um, but as we kind of go through our, our talk today, I want to let you know that we have heard many of the same um, concerns from the male counterparts in the profession as well. So, you know, definitely one of the, the most, uh, one of the biggest concerns we have is um, people going into properties with people that they've never met before, people that they don't know. And often it's into a home or a place that they've never been before. So that is the real foundation of, of the concern is that it, in order to get a paycheck, um, to make that commission check, you have to go into places you've never been before with people that you don't know all by yourself. And we, we also hear, you know, even through our webinar training and most often on our boots on the ground training is the lack of knowledge, the lack of available knowledge of understanding it the lack of available reality training, preparedness, and understanding who, and I'm going to use the word strangers because, guys, I got to tell you, um, unless it's an immediate family member, we deal with strangers, and it doesn't matter how long we deal with them. Um, Beth and I understand today that, you know, the, the predatorial mindset isn't always first showing, first attack. We now understand that there's a dance that's played. 
there's a process that is completed where the prospect predator now measures his own risk against his victim. Um, so this all comes into, you know, understanding what it is, um, understanding how to be safe. And, you know, and in that, I'm going to just elaborate a little bit more. Oftentimes, safety training that's brought in at board levels is from, you know, the, the local martial artist, right? Trying to teach a realtor and understand it. A, you know, 120, 150 pound female realtor how to defend themselves against a man that's 180, 200 pounds. And that's just not reality. That's, that's false. That's just a false empowerment that puts the professional at risk should they ever have to meet this man. And we don't do that. We bake, break this down to prepare them how to identify it, how to recognize the behavior, and that it is okay to remove themselves from that environment, not to stay there and risk it. And, and to go back to the main concern of, of what some of those environments are, it's everything. It's basements, it's um, condo lockboxes, it's underground parking, it's vacant homes, it's country homes. It, it really is, you know, the 80% of the, uh, the places and the, the scenarios that they're put yeah. into throughout their day in order to achieve yeah. their paycheck. So if that's the, um, uh, the, the common uh, questions and concerns from, uh, from the realtors, uh, is, uh, is it uh, expanded or nuanced uh, as it relates to broker, broker owners um, uh, in, that, uh, in that regard? You know, we kind of perused that a little bit. And um, what we feel from the broker owners is the need to be protective of their employees, of their staff, of their agents. And they don't know how to do that. And they wanna know how to do that. They're not sure how to do that. You know, we often encounter agents that say, if I run into a problem, I'm just gonna call my broker. Well, Rob and I know the outcome of that and, and how that, you know, doesn't keep anybody safe. But there's the broker on the end of that wanting to be of help. Um, and, and not being able to. So the position that, that a broker is put in is a little bit different. And um, we, we spread the message far and wide that really the best way that they can assist their agents is to provide um, reality, decent reality, ongoing education and training as far as how to stay safe and do your job more safely every single day. Okay, so let's let's get into that because I think I, I we're kind of leading into this with this next question for both the both of you. Are there are there things you do to mitigate these concerns? Are, are is this what we're talking about in the reality training, Rob? Um, you know, mitigating the concerns, um, David, comes through education and awareness and mindfulness. That's really where it comes from. Um, and I, I want to break this down and it really becomes in its simplified form. We go through an education process at ARIA, George Brown College. We're given a license and we're set loose to deal with two of the most anxiety-filled things that people face, their money and their relationships. This creates a lot of social violent potential and we've heard horrible things from realtors being strangled inside their own office. 
Um, so mitigating these concerns from a social violent aspect really becomes down to education on understanding proper de-escalation, understanding their role as a realtor when they become, and I'm going to use the word intimately involved with people who are sharing their lives with, with us. And we need to understand that these people are strangers they have bad days, and in some cases, the real estate professional is the one who takes the brunt of that bad day. And if we don't know how to deal with that, if we don't know how to properly hear, understand, listen, and be empathetic with the individual who's upset at us, that can escalate into a tornado in a drop of a hat. In dealing with antisocial violence, these are the people who come looking for us. These are the ones who victim shop us through social media, newspaper advertising. And what Beth and I know today is many realtors think they can handle this on their own by some form or method. And the problem is, is that the real estate professional has no idea how motivated these individuals are how determined they are to get what they want, how long they have invested in time and in some cases money getting to know their victim. And I, you know, I think it's important in uh, when we're talking about mitigating risks is that the very foundation, the very first opportunity you have to mitigate these risks is to acknowledge um, that unfortunately those in the real estate profession make great soft targets for people who are looking, you know, for predators, for people who are looking for um, victims, for lack of a better word. And, and that acknowledgement and understanding is, is really the foundation in the beginning of mitigating the risks. Yep, I agree. So, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that our, our clients uh, start out as strangers um, and so uh, and perhaps remain that way. But can you talk a little bit about qualifying your clients? maybe before you see them or go out to a property or you meet them somewhere. Can we talk I about that a little bit? I love this topic. Uh, do you want to take it? You want me to start it? You go ahead. I'm <laughs> okay. going to jump in on you. I guarantee So, um, you know, here, here's a really interesting thing. We are taught through our um, education and licensing program how to financially qualify people to purchase a home. We are never taught how to qualify them for our own safety. Never. It's not even something is even talked about. Um, and Beth and I have spent a long time trying to understand and research how these individuals operate. And today we know they, they all have a hook. They all have a prepared script. They all have an understanding of what our job is. And we've developed a method that we refer to as the transparency effect, where the professional, through a series of questions related to what the purpose of the call is, quickly will start creating frustration in the predator because they're taking them outside of the script and their comfort zone. And it was only a few weeks ago we received a message and then a phone call from a female professional. And her comment to us was, I think this saved my life. So we do know how to qualify properly. The professional needs to understand how to do that. And they need to understand why. 
Absolutely. It's, you know, we, we have to understand a basic concept that um, niceness is a strategy of social interaction. People being nice to you does not mean that they are a good person inside. So just because someone is, is nice and pleasant and congenial and maybe even compliant doesn't mean that they're a good person. Um, just because you've showed this person a home four, five, six times doesn't mean that their true intentions, you know, have been unmasked. And, and we know this because we hear the script over and over again. We, we hear it. And without being taught how to identify that, um, you know, people are at risk. And we met realtors, seasoned realtors are probably more able to identify those odd little intricacies in these phone calls and these phone messages. Some of them, the flag will go off. Unfortunately, a lot of them, the flag doesn't go off because of how we make our money and how we have to perform our job. Um, and the basis that we try and approach on this is to let them understand that if they start sensing things that are not right here, that they need to start looking a little bit deeper into the conversation and understanding it a little bit better. And it's through that, um, that training and understanding that we have heard you know, some of these individuals just go sideways, um, screaming, yelling, threatening, uh, all kinds of sexual innuendos thrown at the realtor. And you know what? Hooray for them. They broke it. They understand it. Now they know I don't want to deal with that person anymore. So, and you know, just a kind of a, a little, um, a little bit of an in is it, it, it's becoming more and more common now for a, uh, for a realtor to request identification from a client before going on the showing. But the key in that is what you do with that identification. Okay, they sent you a picture of their driver's license. Oh, they look like a nice person. You're gonna send that to your broker and you're gonna say, hey, if anything happens to me, this is my client. Well, that's not enough. That isn't what we want you to do with that piece of identification. That does not pre-qualify that potential buyer as far as your safety goes. Yeah. So we, we, we really need to take it a little bit further. Rob, let and, me, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Rob. I, I, this is fascinating, especially this topic uh, and this side of it. But can you give me an example of what a qualifying question might be? Right. <laughs> Um, sure. So, you know what, here, I'm going to play out a script for you. And, and, and this, uh, this happened, uh, in, in downtown Toronto, um, phone call comes in, Hey, you got a, you have an $800,000 condo that I want to see. Yeah, great. And, but you know what, I got to go. I can only go Tuesday and you got to pick me up at, at five o'clock. Cause if it's not going to be you, I'm going to phone another realtor. That's generally the hook. So now what happens next? Well, you know what? You're going to have to pick me up and you got to pick me up on this corner and that corner because where I live, the, the density is too high and you're not going to be able to find where I live. Red flag. Yeah. Realtor continues to move through this. This situation ended up not good. So let's take the qualifying question. You have an $800,000 condo that I want to see. Yeah, I do. That's great. I got to go tonight, five o'clock. Well, I can probably do that, 
but what if I have to book that for tomorrow at five? Can we arrange that? Oh, by the way, will your spouse be coming with you? Did you know that there's a school in that area? Do you have children? Can I ask you what kind of car you drive just so when I see the car, I know it's you? So what we're doing here now is we're taking an individual who has a script in their mind that they're going to share with you as a hook. And now we're pulling them outside of that. And listening becomes important because now what you're going to get is, um, uh, yeah, no, uh, no, my wife isn't coming. That, that's a problem because we now know today good people with true intentions answer that question like that. People who have ulterior motives, they have to come back with an answer that's going to satisfy your needs. Their ego, as you continue down this process, will start becoming frustrated. We know it. We've heard the stories. So those are what we talk about, about the transparency effect. And we call it the transparency effect. Beth mentioned it to you. Niceness is a human strategy. We know this face becomes what they see. The words are the lie. And at some point, that individual is going to take off the mask. We want to make sure that the professional has the opportunity to remove that mask before they ever come face to face with them. And, you know, it's really interesting to be able to lead someone outside of what their scripted plan is, because you will hear the hesitation. You will hear the change in their voice tone. You will hear the double talk, the ums, the ahs, while they're trying to answer your question of, oh, did you know there's a school two blocks away? Um, do you have children? Well, what do you mean? Do I have kids? Why does it matter? You know, things like that instead of, oh, I didn't know there was a school there. I actually have three kids. That's great. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of uh, different questions you can ask to lead someone and, and it's good to practice them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting because on your website um, you talk about the role of intuition and what it plays in certain situations. This almost sets up perfectly uh, of what we were just talking about. Doesn't it? Beth, run it. It absolutely <laughs> does. I could keep you here till five o'clock tonight talking about intuition. Um, but but, you know, it, it's something that we all have. Um, and quite often we override our intuition. We accuse ourselves of being paranoid or, or silly or, you know, something like that. And especially in this profession where you're meeting strangers, when that intuition fires off, you need to listen to it. Um, you know, humans are the only species that overrides their intuition. So if you can imagine, you know, that deer on the side of the highway thinking that he or she hears something rustling in the grass and looks away and says, oh, it's probably nothing. I'm just being paranoid. And then out, you know, jumps the, the wolf. That is whether we like to uh, admit it or not. That is who we are every day, moving through this profession, meeting strangers at their whim, at their time. So, you know, listening to your intuition can be something as simple as pulling into the driveway, expecting to meet a male and a female, and only the male is present. And your intuition fires off and says, ah, I knew something was off about the conversation. This isn't what I expected. I'm going to listen to my intuition. That agent needs to get out of that car and say to that that gentleman, I'm sorry, I can't complete this showing today. On my way here, I got a phone call that 
Um, my daughter fell at school and I have to go pick her up. I'm so sorry. I will call you immediately upon, you know, tonight and we'll reschedule for whenever you want to come back. Whatever your intuition tells you to do, remove yourself. If that's what it is, you have to, you have to follow and listen to your intuition. And, you know, the thing about that is that you probably will never get that aha moment. I was right. I knew it. Because what you're doing by listening to your your intuition is you're removing yourself from that situation and the situation never happens. So, you know, you sometimes walk away wondering, did I do the right thing or did I not do the right thing? You will never get that aha moment. We know of one realtor that got her aha moment. Yeah, what a um, story, yeah. Which I, you know, we, we met a realtor who uh, was invited or, or requested to show home by someone who turned out to be a a very famous serial killer. And she found that out via the newspaper later on. But um, it is so super important to listen to your intuition, stand up for yourself and and definitely put yourself before that commission check. And, you know, in saying that we've met, we've met some who have said that their intuition went off and continued to move through and, and issues came. And it's how we're paid, right? It's our job performance. And we we really need to understand the difference between intuition and paranoia. And we focus heavy on that in our training as well. So, yeah. Well, continuing on, um, you know, the last couple of years, we haven't either been allowed to or wanted to do open houses, um, but they're now allowed and people are starting to do them a little bit more. I mean, you know, talk about some of the things that uh, realtors can do to conduct open houses uh, and uh, and showing safely. You know, we um, we have a program that we we talk about. We refer to it as space management, and we understand today that using space as a shield really is the number one thing that the real estate professional can do to be safe. And that comes down to setting up a, a greeting area within an open house. It comes to staying within sight lines of the exit doors. It comes to unlocking all the doors in the house before the open house starts. It comes down to maintaining, and Beth and I have been preaching this long before it came COVID cool, two-meter safety bubble between you and your client at all times. Don't ever ever under any circumstance allow an individual within two meters of you. We have a we have a failing within our eyesight, the stereo optic vision we have. We're great at seeing distance and movement. We're not so good at seeing high rates of speed when it's up close to us. So that two meter safety bubble is a big thing. Um, not becoming a realtor at an open house where you're leading the potential client through the property, not allowing yourself to enter into enclosed rooms such as bathrooms, bedrooms, following into basements. These are open houses. And we need to understand as professionals, we're opening the doors to these homes for people to come in and enjoy the house on their own not to be doing high pressure sales jobs on them as going through. Open houses, I hate them. And I'm going to tell you, I hate them. They are a very dangerous thing that is low, uh, low success on sales. And, you know, we do them oftentimes just to allow the client to think that we're doing more for them. Um, 
I, I'm going to tell you, I, I wish open houses were banned. We, we hear far too many instances across Canada of realtors who have had fearful experiences at open houses, uh, being attacked in open houses, being attacked once in an open house and being afraid to leave the open house and then the, the predator coming back and attacking them again at the same open house, same day, within a half an hour of each other, because the realtor was too afraid to leave the home because she was afraid she was violating some obligation she had to her client. So I just would like, yeah, that's my thought. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to ramble off sideways on you there, but that's my feeling. Um, And if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in because it's a really good opportunity for me to offer you a kind of a tip and trick, but also to give you one of the foundations of self-defense. And and what we tell people is that you have many tools when it comes to self-defense, but the most important ones are your mind and your mouth. And we want you to remember that. We want you to use those. And in saying that, in self-defense, what you do and what you say does not always have to be the truth. Quite often we do role-playing and, you know, different scenarios where people have to come up with stuff to get themselves out of that situation. But when you apply that to an open house, one of my favorite, favorite things to tell people is that if you're going to have a sign-in sheet at the front door where people who are coming in to view the home have to write their name and, and their phone number or whatever before they get into the house... We want you to put on the bottom of that sign-in sheet a little disclaimer that um, the house is equipped with video cameras and their activity and actions throughout the home may be recorded because we know we know that predators and attackers do not want to be identified. And even something as that simple little deterrent on the bottom of your sign-in sheet that tells them, hey, you know, smile, you're on candid camera that may dissuade them from participating in any uh, criminal activity or anything that, you know, is untoward that they had planned for that time. So although we don't like open houses at all, we know that they're conducted all the time. And uh, for me, that's one of the most important things is that you can tell people they're going to be monitored in the home, whether they are or are not. They don't know that. So a real quick follow up on that. So given uh, given uh, those comments, would you recommend that uh, two people uh, do open houses? Um, is that would I mean, it seems like um, that would be your preference. What, what, do you, what are your comments on that? Dave, I'm going to give you my thoughts and, and I think Beth will will share hers as well. Um, I think there's a element of increase in safety with it, but it does not provide safety. Um, we've heard of the horror stories of two realtors inside of a property. Um, so it, it does improve it, but I don't think it is a, a guarantee safety net. It's, it's certainly not a fail safe in that we, we don't want you to think that anything like that will keep you safe. It may increase your level of safety for sure. And that being said, we, we do recommend that um, if you're in an area that you don't know, if you're in a, a, um, a rural property, if you're somewhere where you feel more isolated, having another person with you at that open house is definitely a good idea. It, it doesn't have to be um, a peer, a fellow agent. It doesn't have to be somebody from your brokerage. If you can't find somebody, you know, that, that is an agent that will come with you. Take a local mortgage broker, take a building inspector. If the home needs windows, take the window guy. 
you know, whoever you have to bring with you, if you have to bring your spouse and pass them off as your assistant, because you feel silly bringing your spouse with you, then you can do that. But it, it will increase your safety, but we're not going to tell you that it will 100% keep you safe having another person there. And you know what? Spouses make great assistants. Hey, I'm a great assistant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob. So, so you guys kind of touched on it there with that last uh, answer, but let's, let's go a little bit further. So are there different safety tactics between showing someone a city property and a rural property? And, and, and what are they? Um, no, there isn't. Um, we at all times, you know, when we arrive at properties should take that two second moment and view the surrounding area of the property before we, we enter it. We should never park in driveways. Uh, we can be blocked in driveways very, very easily. Um, when we get out of our car, we need to take another second or two and listen to the environment and scan and see what's going on. Take a look at the people if we're meeting them for the first time, if we haven't had an opportunity, read them. Allow your intuition to see what it is. Let it feel what's happening to you. Um, and showings, you know, the real estate professional needs to be educated on how to show properties. They need it. it. It's mandatory or it should be mandatory in our industry to take a program or a uh, um, uh, an education um, on how to conduct a showing on a home. Rate from control and direct your client. We get it every day. We walk into a restaurant, uh, anywhere we go, we are controlled and directed. However, within the real estate industry, our own politeness doesn't think that we should do that. We need to control and direct, have people wait on the sidewalk where we get the lockbox, understanding how to open the lockbox, how to hold the door and encourage someone to walk into the house prior to us, how to walk in behind them, how to maintain that two meter safety bubble throughout the entire showing, understand what to do when parties split up on showings and understand the element of risk and how that elevates when you are become a victim of tactical maneuvering within an an enclosed environment. Understanding those and understanding how to show a home really becomes the basis of safety for us. And it doesn't matter whether it's a, a city property or a rural property. And I'm going to ask if you could just hit on 911 because that's something that sure. needs to be brought up. So, I mean, city versus, you know, rural, there, there are different scenarios for sure. A rural property, you're not dealing with underground parking. You're not dealing with elevators. Um, you know, you're, you're in a condo, you're not dealing with being completely 100% isolated. So the scenarios may be different, but the risks are all encompassing. Um, Quite often, we don't worry about going out to a rural property because we have our phone with us. And if anything goes wrong, we'll just call 911. And um, what happens is too often people think they, they call 911 and, you know, the, the beam of light goes up and it says, hey, I'm right here and I need help. And we need to understand that that is not the reality of 911. Um, 911 calls are triaged, much like when you walk into the hospital emergency department, they have to decide, you know, are you an A, a B, or a C? So the first person you're getting on 911 is the dispatcher who has to decide 
what to do with you. And if she determines through, you know, whatever you're able to relay to her that she needs to send someone to your location, in all likelihood, that that response time is 11 to 15 minutes in, in some areas in the city, let alone if you're in a rural area. So, um, you know, relying on the same things when you're in the city versus when you're in the country, it, it just, it, it doesn't work. If you even have the opportunity if to open your phone. you even have the opportunity right. to get your phone and call 911. And to put you in that scenario in a, in a city, um, you might call 911 from the 18th floor of a condo, but nobody knows you're on the 18th floor. If you're fortunate enough to have your GPS pinging and, and have somebody be able to locate that, you know, 400 meter radius that you might be in well there's a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate, real estate for lack of a better <laughs> word between yeah. you know the first floor and the 18th floor so you know risks and um and ways to to handle those risks and mitigate those risks really don't change whether you're in the city or in the country so how do you think the conversation about realtor safety is changing over the last couple of years you know what? Um, we are seeing a difference in the response and the understanding. Uh, we have really pushed to get the message out. And it's been difficult, but we pushed. And we're now seeing at the board level um, that, you know, the executive officers and the directors are understanding now because I didn't hear from a realtor that she was raped, sexually assaulted, or from the male realtor that was robbed or hit in the head with a hammer that these problems aren't happening in her board. They're starting to understand that violence is not as simple as what we think it is. Um, we know, well, we have a pretty good idea that about 10% of client crimes against the real estate professional are actually reported. A lot of that is the victim's own fear. And I've heard this right from the mouth of a realtor who was sexually assaulted by an individual who three years later threatened my own life, who she was afraid of client retaliation, afraid of what this was going to do to her reputation. Um, we have met a female realtor who was raped on a showing and never told a soul for three years until she came into the presence of Beth, who is a professional, who has had uh, unfortunate experiences in that way. And she felt at that moment comfortable enough to open up her story. The message is getting out and it's starting to be heard. Um, we've had major boards in Western Canada actually contract us for multiple year periods to educate and train their members. Um, we were reached out to from another Central Canadian board not that long ago over an attack on their realtor about what we should do, how do we do this, how do we understand it, how do we prepare our members for it. It's been an uphill battle, David. I'm, I'm not going to, to lie to you. We've had to claw, fight, uh, push, 
um, you know, almost everything except giving names of victims for them to phone and say, this shit's going on, right? Understand it. But it's coming. It's starting to be understood. Our industry, um, and I understand why it doesn't, right? It's difficult for such a large industry to understand this problem and then come up with solutions for it. And for, you know, two people like Beth and I, for us, it's worth it. We're doing it. We're going to face it head on and do it. And, you know, as far as how it's changing, I can tell you um, when we first started, you know, uh, doing this education and training and we were knocking on doors, we were making phone calls, we were sending emails, basically saying, hey, let us in because this is really good for you. And now it's almost a, a role reversal where we're getting the phone calls we're, we're getting the emails that say, hey, um, you know, a couple of my agents asked me to reach out to you and, and, and see what you can offer us as far as training for our members. So, it, you know, we're not 100% there yet, but um, like Rob said, we, we have been contracted by a, a major board to do some ongoing permanent training and education for their members because of some of the experiences that have been shared with them and, and the value that they see and wanting to offer to their members. So things are changing. Like Rob said, it's been an uphill battle, but I think we're moving in the right direction for sure. Well, that's really good to hear. Let's uh, let's summarize this a little bit uh, and let's uh, tell our listeners some key takeaways from our conversation because it's been, it's been outstanding. Uh, what would you say the three or top three safety tips that you would give every realtor and they should know these? Um. First, I'm, I'm going to share one with you. I would think it is um, controlling your environment, space management, not leading during any showings, never leading during property workups, never leading during open houses. Um, I think that's one of the most important for sure. Um, secondly, would be understanding that we need a safety toolbox, um, being able to listen to our intuition, understanding that not all good people we meet are good people, and also understanding, and, and this is sometimes a hard one, that good people have bad days, and sometimes we step right into it out of our own over-politeness or need to please people. And I'll give you number three, kind of on the tail end of that. It's okay to say no. Yes. You yes. don't have to take every showing. You don't have to take every listing. You don't have to do what your client demands you do if you feel your safety is compromised. Listen to your intuition. It's okay to say no. Put yourself first over that that paycheck. Well, those are three really great tips. Um, so before you, uh, before we go, as we're wrapping things up, you know, can you talk about some of the resources uh, you've made available to realtors and uh, and where they can find them? We have uh, seven, seven or eight different training yeah. modules that we have prepared. Um, many of the boards that have had us in as guests have recorded those and added them to their libraries. So um, that's one kind of avenue. Um, we 
have a uh, Facebook group where we vet every member. So the Facebook group is for realtors only um, to join in and talk about different uh, scenarios, um, ask questions, that kind of thing. And that group is called right now the Real Estate Professionals uh, Self-Protection and Strategies to Avoid Violence. Yes. The Real Estate Professionals uh, Guide to Self-Protection and Strategies to Avoid yeah. Violence. I'm yeah. working on a better name for that, so it <laughs> yeah. rolls off my tongue yeah. a little bit better. And and on that, I just if I can just stop you for a sec, we, sure. we share a lot of information on that uh, two, three times a week. Uh, information on safety, mindfulness, awareness, and the, we even share information on realtor attacks, um, not to not to bring out the victim but to make realtors aware that this actually happens in our industry yeah and last i will let you know right now that every training module that we do we open up our phone number and we give it to every realtor we train and they understand it's a 24 7 access to us no money no request for anything we are there to answer their concerns, to provide and validate their experience so they understand they're not alone in this. And in some cases, you know what? It's it's just them needing to, to get it off their chest, to let somebody know this has happened to me. This guy sent me a picture of his car two blocks from my home saying, I'm here. What do I do? How do I deal with that? These are all important things. We're human beings and we those fear factors are horrendous when that kind of interaction happens with someone. So that is another thing. Our, our phone numbers, and I'm going to give it to you guys before we leave today. So please just uh, make sure you mark it down and you share it with your listeners because it is very important to us. Well, let's, uh, let's get into that right now. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, have any questions, uh, want to discuss something further uh where's the best uh where's the best way to reach you any sort of numbers or websites or anything like that uh, and, and thank you again for this um i'm gonna give you um a really cool easy email rob at robinbath.ca or beth at robinbath.ca real simple and my cell phone direct and then i'm and i'm Seriously, 24-7. It's 613-340-8002. Easy peasy. Just either email it through or pick up the phone and call us. Thank you for your time. No, it's been a pleasure. And I thank you very much for bringing us on and exposing uh, some of these things within our industry. We love the chance to share our message. So thank you very much. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all ARIA members and their families have access to LifeWorks, a well-being solution that provides users with 24-7 access to counselors, specialists, and self-guided resources for dealing with all of life's moments. Visit aria.com forward slash LifeWorks for more information and to access the service. And I have some exciting news to share. ARIA's Reality Plus Conference is coming to Toronto in November 2022, and you won't want to miss it. It is going to be the only conference of its kind, bringing together the greatest minds in real estate, politics, and marketing 
all on one stage. You won't believe the speakers we have lined up. Pre-register now for the event everyone will be talking about at realityconference.ca. And finally, don't forget to check out realheart.ca to read the inspiring stories of realtors giving back to their communities and to share your story. That's realheart.ca. That's it for today. For Maria President David Oikel and myself, David Bastel, stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon. Visit aria.com slash podcast for more information, links, and a full list of our episodes to date. New episodes are out the second Tuesday of every month. Hey.